says, get that India, big boy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the pre-game show here for round 13. Parramatta Eels taking on the North Queensland Cowboys in the NRL. My name's John, that's Craig. We're from the Cumberland Fro and this is the Tip Sheet Podcast. We're here with uh, Eels legend John Muggleton here to talk all things Parramatta. Are you ready for an Eels win tonight? Well, I don't think we could do too much better than having an Eels Premiership winner here with us tonight. Uh, John Muggleton's our guest. Please welcome him to the tip sheet. And it's a fair wrap that we're going to give you to start off with, John. 114 first grade games uh, with the Eels, six with the Tigers, two Origin caps. Uh, you took the field in three tests for Australia. You're one of a very small number of Eels players who've actually won a premiership given that it was that era that all the, all the four premierships have come with, uh, come for, there was not too many that actually picked up a premiership blazer back then. Uh, you've played in three grand final wins during that era and you're player number 382. So before we start looking into tonight's game, John, we've had reports today that the NRL are pushing ahead with opening the uh, 2024 season in Las Vegas. What do you think of that initiative? And would that have been something that you and your teammates would have enjoyed back in the day? Uh, good evening, everybody. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, going back to the Premiership Blazers, uh, not many people got Premiership Blazers, and that's uh, mainly because after we won in 81, Fitzgerald made us give our Blazers back when we won in 82. <laughs> and they just put slash 82. And then when we won in 83, he took them back again and he put slash 83 on them. Um, so that's what a tight sort of uh, general manager we had. And then we actually got new ones in 86 because we'd all got a little bit bigger and couldn't fit into the ones that we were, <laughs> were in, in 20, uh, when we were 21. So uh, that's a bit of history for you that, uh, you know, anyone who's got more than two premiership blazers um, made one up himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think it's all about uh, the next TV deal. And I, and I think if... If we can get a market in America, Rugby Union's got a market in America, there's a big Major League Rugby over there and, and, and that goes a long way to selling the product. If we can get a market over there, then our next TV deal will go a lot further to, to matching, um, say, AFL, which is over a billion. Like, you know, we, we've got to have more of a market than just England, Australia and New Zealand. So. If it works, it's it's absolute genius. Uh, they had a they had a one-off uh, state of origin in LA, I think it was in 1984. I'm, I'm pretty sure for 84 or 85, uh, wasn't terribly well attended. But you know, if they can get nowadays, people are keen to travel as well. So you know, we've been stuck at home for for the last couple of years. They they get a lot of people over there from Australia. To, to go to, you know, the States and, and have a look around. So, you know, th- there's lots of positives, uh, but 
it's a bit of a risk, but if you don't take risks, you don't don't get the benefit. Do you need John closer to the mic? Yeah, maybe. Let's get back to Parramatta now. Injuries and form have brought in a number of changes to the team. Hayes Dunce has made way for Sean Russell and forwards like Offahiki Ogden and especially Wurrum McGregg have grabbed their opportunities to shine. In that sort of light, I'm wondering if you can share one of your more interesting selection chats of a coach and sort of peel back the curtain on what might happen on a Tuesday or thereabouts when they start selecting the team. Uh, listen, I had Jack Gibson as a coach, so... Um it was always a nightmare when you were called in just prior to to, uh, to selection. I remember 1982, we got to the last game of the season. It had been a long season. I'd played every rep game. And in those days, if you played State of Origin, you played Sunday, Tuesday, and then the next Sunday, you didn't get a rest. And, and uh, City Country was on a Saturday, and you had to back up on the Sunday. So by the end of the season, I was pretty tired, wasn't playing well, and Jack called me into the coach's office and uh, he said, uh, Jake, you're not playing very well. And that worried me because Jake's not my name. Um, <laughs> so I was a bit worried for a start. And then, then I said, no, Jack, no, I'm a bit tired. You know, I'm, I'm struggling a bit. And he said, anyway, I, I voted to drop you. And I said, yeah, well, Jake, that's, that's fair enough. Okay. And I turned towards the door and he said, but Coach Mooney voted to keep you. And I went, oh, good. Like, yeah, that's good. He said, but Sugar, who was Mick, Mick the, uh, the conditioner, he voted to drop you. So I'm 22 years old and my head's spinning. And so I turned for the door again and he said, but Mass voted to keep you in. He said, so it ended up two votes all. And I said, all right, Jack, yeah, that's good. He said, uh, but... Luckily for you, a stray dog walked past and voted in your direction. <laughs> and I said, thanks. And I said, so am I playing this weekend? And he said, yeah, you're in. And I said, OK, thanks, and headed for the door. And he said, hey, Jake. And I said, yes, Jack. And he said, uh, be careful. That dog might have something else to do next Tuesday night. <laughs> so for the people who think it was a benefit and it was a privilege to be coached by Gibson, uh, there's a lot of mental issues mm-hmm. went along with it. <laughs> Bit of mental terrorism there, absolutely. Uh, you, you actually debuted with the Tigers, as we mentioned, before you joined the Eels in 79. Uh, sorry, 80. Um, so I reckon you'd be well qualified to answer this question. Tonight... We've got Luca Moretti making his debut for the Eels. Um, what were the circumstances of your first grade debut, even if it's off off the bench, whatever was the most memorable, starting or off the bench? And what do you think would be going through Luca's mind tonight? Uh, my first first grade game was for the Tigers versus Parramatta here at Cumberland Oval. Um, I was rung at 7 o'clock in the morning. I was down to play centre in uh, second grade. And uh, David Grant had pulled out of the second row in first grade. So I was in. I had to drive at 9 o'clock to Balmain Leagues Club to drive all the way from Dundas back back to back here. Uh, Greg Olfant, head high, Ray Price after five minutes and we got beaten 42 to 7. Um, <laughs> so I, I, the only thing... The only thing that, that I can uh, and say about um, debuting in first grade is what Jack used to say to other, other blokes. He'd, he'd say, I've picked you as a first grader. That means you're a first grader. Go out and be a first grader. They're all first graders. 
If you need to tell them what to do, even though it's your first game, tell them what to do. But to be a good footballer, you've got to be a good listener as well. So when he gets out there, he's just got to listen to the calls. He's got to listen to, if he's carrying the ball, listen to his support, whether they want it transferred or whether they want him to make the yards, and, and then he'll be all right, do his work in defence. And uh, don't overplay your hand. And the follow-up to Craig's two-parter, Joe Ofengar, he has made the mid-season jump from the Tigers to the Eels, which is a, a really bizarre bit of sort of a career parallels there for yourself and Joe. Uh, but he's going to join a team with minimal familiarity with the players around him. He's got no experience with the cores, the attacking shapes, defensive structures. What do you think the coaching staff will be expecting of him this week? And what would you be expecting of him given his, uh, his experience as a first grader and as a representative player? Well, he's got 150-plus games. He's got state of origin credibility. He carries the ball strong. He's a big bloke. Um, that's As a middle forward, that's what you've got to do. Carry the ball, get over the advantage line, and if you make a break or you get free and there's somebody there, give it to them. I, I wouldn't see him being a ball player for the first four or five runs. He's got to establish that. Establish your run, and then when you've got him on the back foot then he can play the ball a bit. But pretty excited to see him uh, come across and uh, I think he's a quality player and, and we've done pretty well in getting him. And another player to talk about tonight is Josh Hodson. He's got a milestone game tonight. He's got 150... It's his 150th first grade game. In the footage of his jersey presentation, he said that these sorts of milestones, they're great to look back on once you've finished playing. But the focus is on winning the game because ultimately you want to win the premiership this year and it's important to get these sorts of games. What was the fanfare like when players hit milestone games back when you were playing? Like, for example, your 100th. Well, I, I liken it in our day to uh, when Parramatta made the, the 1976 and 77 grand finals. Uh, they had... They had uh, motorcade parades through the, through the streets and, uh, you know, and they didn't come home with the goods. Whereas when Jack had us and we are in grand finals, we have always had it afterwards um, if we won. So, yeah, they're, they're all good. They mean nothing to, to what's going to happen tonight. Celebrate afterwards, that sort of thing. He's, he's right. Going out there and, and winning the game is the number one thing. And then we can all say it was for you afterwards, uh, you know, but it's not. You, you just got to go out there, win, win for your club, win for your fans, win for yourself. Let's talk our opposition tonight. The Cowboys looking to bounce back from a 60-point thrashing last week against the Tigers. I'm struggling to think of an example from your career, but were you ever on the receiving end of a thumping equivalent to what the Cowboys received last week? And even if you weren't, hypothetically, how do you bounce back from something like that? Well, we were beaten in the major semi-final in 82, 20, uh, I think it was 26-0 by Manly. Um, and, you know, that, that was the game I was dropped for, for from the, the uh, story before. So, so now we was, know why the defeat it, happened. Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we, he put me back in the next week, let's say. Um, and we, all we did, the next week was that, that massive uh, final game against Eastern Suburbs in the rain where we beat them... Uh, 32-0 in the rain and we scored seven tries and each one of them was scored by the backs and all we, we knew 
that they were going to try the tactics that East, uh, that uh, Manly had tried the week before. So Manly with Boyd and all those blokes, a lot of cheap shots, got got people off their game. They weren't worrying about football. Pricey got sin binned and, and they just ran away with the game because we weren't playing football, or some of us weren't playing football. They were, you know, looking to get square. Whereas the next week, we knew Eastern Suburbs would do the, do the same thing and we just ignored it, just knocked them on their backsides, played our footy, took our opportunities and then we backed up and did the same thing against Manly and, and it really put them off their game that nobody re- retaliated to, to all the rubbish that, that they put in and, and we ended up getting the bacon the, the next week as well. So basically just go back to focusing on your job. Forget about the week before, focus on your job. Grand finals and big games won by everybody doing what they're good at very well. If, if your, your part of, of the game is to be a ball carrying forward, get over the advantage line, that's what you do. And you play the ball quickly and you, you, make, you make the ground for your playmakers to then come behind. When everybody tries to be a ball player, and not everybody can be, and the greatest thing for young kids to teach them is everybody can pass a football at any time. Good ball players know when not to pass the ball mm-hmm. and, and that's where we miss Sean Lane because he discovered at the end of last year a bloke who could offload the ball at any time when to do it for the benefit of the team and the benefit of going forward. So, you know, that's, that's what you've got to do. Now, North Queensland will also be without three key backs in Valentine Holmes, Murray Talangi and Tom Dearden. How much of an advantage does that provide for the Eels tonight? Um, I, I, think, I think it gives us a great advantage. I think uh, our two halves will control things and our two centres uh, you know, are playing pretty good footy at the moment, hitting some holes and, and, and running some nice angles. So... Um, they've got a three and a five who are de- debuting tonight. So if we can get them on the back foot and uh, make their debuts fairly ordinary, uh, then then I think that's where we can we can take advantage. And of course, that's balanced out by the fact that while the Cowboys are without Reuben Cotter, the Eels are without a lot of their key forwards. No Junior Barlow at Origin, Reagan Campbell Gillard, Sean Lane, Ryan Madison, and Andrew Davey, all various degrees of injuries. We know that in these games, it can often be won or lost in the trenches. What would be your message as a coach to the Eels pack tonight, looking at those guys that are getting opportunities because of origin and because of injury? Well, I'd, I'd say opportunity doesn't come very often. And when you get your opportunity, you've got to take it. And, uh, you know, the, the common perception in rugby is if you want to beat uh, Parramatta, you pick your meanest nastiest pack of forwards and you take us on in the forwards so if these blokes stand up tonight that's a great advantage coming forward to big games and uh, into semi-final time because some of our blokes you know first picks uh, have not been great in those games and um, I'd say the coach is still looking for the perfect pack of forwards that's going to stand up to everything that's thrown at them by different teams who are going to be in the semis. So, which Eels do need to be on their game tonight? And just further to that, what Cowboys players do we need to shut down? 
Um, well, I, I reckon the two sets of halves are, are, are key to us. You know, the, the, the joint between our forwards and actually controlling those young blokes who are making their debuts or, or have got their chance a couple of weeks ago and, and are playing well, controlling them to get the go forward and then being smart enough to shift the ball to our centres to get amongst their new, new guys and, and keep the pressure on them. Um, our kicking game's got to be good, but our catching game's got to be better because when, when we can catch the ball and return it and get out of our danger area before we have to go to our forwards, we're always a much better team. You mentioned the three and five for the Cowboys being on debut. That's Zach Laybutt and Robert Darby. Would an opposing coach be looking to apply extra pressure on a player making that debut or would you looking to be picking them out in any specific way? Yeah, look, it's, if it's their debut, it means that there's a different different combination with a bloke inside them and a different combination with a bloke outside them. So defensively, in one week where they've defensively in one week where they've they've had to, to work, um, it's very hard to to be a hundred percent as far as knowing what the other bloke's going to do. So if we can run a bit of traffic around there, a few decoys, even options where either player can get the ball, uh, you know, we can make some pressure there. So to this point at the season, the Eels haven't had the sort of season that they would have liked after being in the grand final last year. But the points differential is really good. Like for a team that's won, uh, lost more matches than they've won, to be at a positive 44 is quite unusual. And I'd actually argue that the Eels have maybe been a little bit more consistent than they were last year because against the same opponents, we've had a few blowouts last year as compared to this year. Um, but it does come back to winning or losing. And we have been losing more. Do teams forget how to win games? Do they, do they sort of lose that ability to ice a close match? Uh, look, I don't, I don't think anybody forgets how to lose. Um, I think the loss of Mitch for those couple of weeks was really important. You saw the impact he had last week. He had it on a string and uh, that enabled Dylan to take a step back and gave him more time and more space, which he used. Um, so I, I think we've had injuries where we didn't need them um, and we've, we've had to use players there that, although reasonable players, uh, the distance between the player that they replaced and them uh, has, has been quite large. And as I said before, you know, Sean Lane, uh, when he plays, we're a different kettle of fish on the edge. We've got some players, you know, who in the back row there try to be him um, but their decision-making as far as offloading is not as good and therefore we tend to miss opportunities and turn over ball uh, where you know, we, we've got the team on the back foot because they're trying too hard, um, which is not a bad thing, but as we said before, you've got to play to your strengths and if your strength is not offloading in contact, it's offloading after you make the break, then that's what you've got to do. Yeah, and with Sean Lane, I know there's a lot of big bodies in the NRL these days, but he's still a bit of a unicorn at two metres tall and with those ball skills. So his absence has certainly been felt by the team. 
Now, we're going to talk a bit of Origin and some Blue and Gold Alliance stuff as well. But let's put a wrap-up on the Parramatta Eels and Cowboys game. Who wins tonight and uh, what's the margin? Look, I, I, you know, I really think Parramatta after last week, you know, that they've, they've hit the combination that they, they want and the control that they want. So I'm sure that blokes coming in have got a very strict guideline to how that they've got to play. And I, and I think that Jake, um, Brad, sorry, Brad Arthur will, will go through with those blokes and say, this is the formula, this is what we did last week, you're taking this role now, this is what I want you to do. And if we put that, that, that balance of the kicking game versus the running game, the strong defence, the pressure on their kickers so they don't get a good, clear kick away. Um, you know, there's, there's no reason why we can't run up a score because, you know, if they get behind again early in the game... Heads might go down. Bad, bad memories start mm-hmm. coming back. Now, just with Origin coming up next week, we want to get your takes on it quickly. You had two games for New South Wales back in 1982. How big is that step up from premiership football to state of origin football? And then, of course, who's your tip for game one? Um, In those days, there was city country in between, so um, you you had that next level um, before... And another look, the selectors got another look at you before you go through, and you got some combination. Even though in, in 1982 we had five Queenslanders in City first, so that was just ridiculous that that we gave them an extra, you know, information. We had the same coach, so we're going into Origin. We, we've had they've they've <laughs> run and known all the moves that we're going to run in Origin. And they've they've played with us and know what it's like playing with us and what our strengths are. Just a bit are. of an oversight there. And then, <laughs> and then they turn up. Yep. Plus, as we were going down the tunnel to go on for game number one, Alan Thompson was putting out a cigarette on the wall. Uh, that didn't that, that, that didn't help a lot, you know, for uh, for for what. But we won that game. Lost that it lost the next two. So, um, all in all, I think New South Wales will get away with it, and and I think. And I think around the halves, I think, I think Cleary will, will take control. I think we can get to Cherry Evans and and, uh, and at Manly, I know he's, he's used to running things, but I think he'll get a bit of uh, blowback from, from being angry with some of the other big-headed Queenslanders that he's got to push around. I don't think they'll handle it that well, and, and I think there'll be a bit of pushback there against him. Just further to what you said before, John, when you you talked about the Queenslanders that were selected for the Sydney City team and us having the same coach, so they were fully aware of the moves. Was Was that indicative that the state of origin back then meant more to Queensland than it did to New South Wales? Was it more important to them? Oh, they they prepared a lot better. They rested players uh, the week before. We didn't, you know. As I said, we played on Sunday, and then we went up there, had a one training session, and and played State of Origin on on Tuesday night. And then, uh, you know, it was a couple of years till New South Wales started to get the message that, you know, this is everything for them. So it's got to be everything for us as well. Yep. Moving away from the NRL Premiership and State of Origin. 
we recently attended the Blue and Gold Alliance Ted Solkovitz Memorial Golf Day, which incidentally was being sponsored by Paraleagues, home of the Eels. How was your form out on the course, mate? Uh, I think uh, I, pl I played for the, the Leagues Club team, which was good, with, with Greg Monaghan, the, the chairman, and Chris, uh, you know, the, the general Christina, manager. Yep. So, um, you know, we, we had a great day. We, we had uh, some... We finished, I think, three over, and two of our players, Chris and and um, and our other player, you know, they didn't, uh, they don't play golf, so um, we enjoyed it. It was it was great for all the old blokes to get together and uh, and do it for a good cause, mm -hmm. and and uh, in memory of Ted, who was a terrific bloke and a, and a pretty good little tough little player as well. Yeah, you mentioned that those sorts of days are good for a catch up. How important is it for blokes to be able to catch up with mates like that and just to be able to talk with people that, you know, they might necessarily see every so often? Well, much as I love doing this sort of thing, uh, Eric Groth and uh, Stephen Ella uh, and David Lydiard are over, over there. I'm going over to catch up with them and, and uh, we grew up together. You know, uh, Eric and, and Stephen... I played against them in the centres jersey flag for Balmain and, and in a semi-final and, and it was a great tussle and then I ended up coming here, played um, state under-18s with Eric and uh, we, we, we dead set, all of us grew up together. So, you know, it, it's like catching up with, with brothers and uh, we're going to have a good night over there, have a couple of beers together, tell some stories. I'm sure that the players tonight, no matter what the score, won't play as well as we did <laughs> in our day, and, and we'll, be, uh, we'll be certainly commenting on that as well. We actually mentioned a few of the boys I was going to talk about, but we've had a wonderful cast of former players, including yourself as guests on the show. Guru, Neville, Bert, Steve Ella, Zip Zip, uh, Lids, Wally, The Bear, Pricey, The Crow, Edgy, and most recently Mick Butner, who was fantastic. Uh, Graham Atkins' brains has been on as well. Can we finish with a quick story about one of those fellas, if you've got one to share? Well, Graham Atkins is uh, nicknamed Brains. Uh, this shows you how football's changed. He, he turned up here in 1975, straight... Oh, 1974, sorry, straight out of school as an 18-year-old, walked up. One of the old front rowers said to him, what do you do for a living? And he said, oh, I'm at university studying teaching. And he said, oh, jeez, he said... Nobody else here is going to university. Like, yeah, or you must have a lot of brains. So that's what we'll call you. Your nickname's Brains from now on. And it just stuck. So, so, and it just stuck from there. And I taught with Graham out at Blacktown Pats. You know, I often, I've often had my doubts about the nickname, but you know, he was, <laughs> he was a good, good-looking bloke, and uh, and it's it's a little-known fact that uh, he was engaged to Claudia Schiffer for a while, and. Uh, she ended up calling it off because she realised the married name would be Claudia Schiffer Brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, mate, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a fantastic way yeah, to sign off. I think it is a good way to sign off, John. You've been an absolute legend, John. Thanks for joining us. Here's to an Eels victory, ladies and gentlemen. A round of applause for a Parramatta legend, John Muggleton. Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to break down a gutsy win from the Parramatta Reels, a very tough game against the North Queensland Cowboys in round 13. But joining me to break down that eight-point victory is my good mate, 60s. Eels go back-to-back -back before the bye, 
big win, big fella. How'd you see it? Well, first of all, just a huge two points, mate. That's two, those two competition points running into the bye. I know we've said it before, it's like getting four points mm-hmm. for the win. But uh, before we go any further, mate, a, a huge shout out to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norell and Parramatta. We always say it, if they weren't on board, we just wouldn't be able to do what we do on the Cumberland throw. So thanks to them. Mate, I'm just, you know, it was edge of the seat stuff at the end. I felt like it probably shouldn't have been, but considering the, the, the ball was that the Hills are going through and then losing uh, Big Joe O, what, 10 minutes into yeah, the game? Yeah, you, you come into this game expecting to lean on Joe for 45, 50-plus minutes maybe, given the relative... Uh, you know, uh, inexperience of the composition of the rest of the middle forwards. And he gets injured 10 minutes into the game. Another calf strain like Maddo, uh, although he was ruled uh, by BA in the press, uh, a good prospect to come back into the team after the bye. But yeah, what a what a curse run it has been for the Eels with these forwards. That makes the six, you know, top line forward that's unavailable this week. Obviously, Junior in the origin camp, but he was in presence uh, for the game tonight. But yeah, just a terrible, terrible run of injury. Really bad luck for the Eels. But again, as we saw last week, they uh, battened down the hatches, went shoulder to shoulder, rolled up the sleeves, whatever cliche you want to throw in there. They got to work and got the job done in the middle. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So let's hit us hit the uh, listeners with some of the main stats from tonight. Yeah, so Eels 24, defeating North Queensland Cowboys 16. Uh, try scorers, Wiramu Greg getting off the nudie run list, the big fella, a more than worthy try recipient right there. He's been so good for the Eels, so good again tonight. Micah Can I just do a quick shout-out to one of our regular listeners, one of the regulars on TCT. He's always got his tips for the uh, in our preview of how the match is going to go. That's Sean. He tipped Wiramu Greg to be the first try scorer tonight. And Man's well, the first Eels try scorer. Yeah, well, we'll still give it to him. So, we'll, yeah, we will give that to him. And uh, so if you had have taken Wiramu Greg to score in an Eels win, you probably would have been doing quite sweetly <laughs> when it came to the odds tonight. So, uh, yeah, so shout out there to Sean. Sorry for interrupting. Mate, That's all I good. No, always, always happy for a good plug like that. But, yeah, Woody's been amazing for the Eels. Again, tonight, so good. One error on the goal line, and that was off a very good run. We knew he got a double. Uh, but, yeah, Mike Acevo bagged the try in the 55th minute with nice ball work from Gufferson and Bowie Simonson. Likewise for Sean Russell, which was almost a mirror of that try. Guffo chiming in down the right with Will Penasini linking up beautifully to Sean Russell. And then Moses sealing the deal in the 78th minute from a scrum win, stepping past Reese Robson and then Luciano Elua to cross in the 78th minute. Flawless night off the tee for Mitch, four from four. Didn't even look like missing. For the Cowboys, Scott Drinkwater scored a nice try off second-phase football to start the scoring in the seventh minute. Then Kyle Felt bagged a double in the 68th and 75th minutes. Two from three from Chad Townsend, an important miss on that final try to keep the margin at eight points. Sorry, on the second penultimate try uh, to keep the margin at eight points and give the Eels that buffer. Let's go through the team stats quickly, 60s. Eels ahead, but perhaps not as much as you would have fought in possession, 52 to 48%. Time of possession, about a minute and a half in their favor. Both teams completing fairly well. Cowboys ahead of the Eels, though, 84% for the visitors, 73% for the Bull and Gold. We should mention, too, that the Cowboys completed... 
at 90, I think 95%, 21 was, out of 22 in the first half. Yeah, and deep into the second half, their completion rates are pretty good until a few errors at the end uh, sort of uh, turned the numbers there. I think there was a Dylan Brown kick that uh, Peter Hickey made a meal of. There was the uh, ball that Re- uh, Reese Robson, uh, Jermaine Hopgood, sorry, dived on from, uh, I think, Cohen Hess. And uh, so a few little turnovers there that sort of uh, skewed those stats at the end. The Cowboys played a good, tough game tonight. In terms of the attacking stats, though, Eels with more runs, more run meters, they were way more efficient on the run meter basis there. Just uh, four more runs for the Eels, but they went uh, 250 more meters in those four runs. So really, really effective stuff from the Eels there. Seven line breaks to five in the favor of the ball and gold. Cowboys just ahead on tackle breaks, 32 to 30. Uh, again, an average play of the ball speed, massively in favor of our opposition, 60s. A 3-3-7 for the visitors, a 3-9-1 for the home team. So we uh, we got mugged a couple of times there where I felt that Liam Kennedy could have easily have blown a penalty. I mean, there was one of Mike Acevo, which was he actually got pushed off the balls as trying to play it. And he just said, play on. Uh, but nonetheless, the Eels persevered. Uh, Cowboys actually out-offloaded the Eels here, 9-6. The Eels, without uh, Junior Barlow, without Ryan Madison, uh, two of their prevalent second-phase players, not really offloading today. Jermaine Hopgood putting the arm away and focusing on working the ball up the middle. Going through to uh, defensive stats, uh, both teams defended pretty well. Cowboys a tick above that 90% effective tackle rate. The Eels are 89% flat, so pretty solid day at the office of both teams. 13 errors for Parramatta to the Cowboys, 9. Uh, Eels conceded four penalties to the Cowboys, 2, but the Cowboys did give away two six-agains. Eels didn't use a full complement of interchanges, surprisingly, uh, with that Joe Ofengahi injury and Luke and Reddy getting good time as well. So BA happy with the forwards in their slots here, using seven of eight interchanges. In terms of the player stats, quickly, 60s, shout-out to the back line. Um, I know that Mike Acevo had a couple of uh, moments in defence that we can talk about, but in terms of his contributions on the ground, he was huge. Uh, he went for over 200 metres, 215. Garfo at 250. Penasini, 120. Simonson, nearly 150. Sean Russell, nearly 180. So huge stuff there from the backs. Yeah, and that's good to see, given the sort of numbers that we've seen in previous weeks. So uh, we need the backs... To, we really need them to step up tonight. More than ever for the forwards out, but in general, that combined arms approach makes the team so much better, and the backs are stepping up in that regard. So good to see there. I think that Sean Russell, I know he had a couple of tries that I wouldn't say he butchered or botched. They were just really close. That didn't go his way. One was a forward pass call. It was tough. Uh, that was, you know, coin toss call. Sometimes they go the way, sometimes they don't. Uh, the other one, he just got knocked out of his hands just as he was putting down, but he's finishing really nicely. He looks comfortable on the high ball again. He's working really hard off the rocket. Uh, so he's he's looking like the prospect that we knew he should be. So it's really nice. I, I don't know what changed him in that stint down in the reserve grade because it wasn't like he went down there and dominated. But he got his head right and he's back playing really good football outside of Will Penasini. Yeah, what I like about Sean Russell, and I was talking to the uh, other fellas there last night, the other TCT fellas, was that he's got very good acceleration from a standing start. Yes. And uh, those, uh, especially that try tonight, he... He had to be at a standing start, and that's uh, that was just the way that the the play went. And he just took off from uh, you know zero to a hundred rather quickly, and re- that was basically what got him across the line. So full marks to him there. And Will Pennacini bullied the rookie. I felt like, uh, poor, yeah, poor Laybutt out there just got physically dominated by one of the more robust centres in the competition. Yeah, yeah. So it was. 
Uh, yeah, we had the back step up, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when it comes to the three, two, one. It's it's going to be. I think this is going to be a tough one to call, mate. But I'm, I don't want to preempt anything right now. I, I'm set in my mind about the three, but I still haven't worked out the two and one at the moment. Maybe as we chat a little bit more, it might start to become clear in my mind which way I'm going to go with that. So um, yeah. So general talk for this game, sixties. We knew the Cowboys were going to come out with a new focus after getting absolutely embarrassed by the West Tigers last week. They stayed in camp in Sydney from that defeat, and that was always the plan regardless of the win or loss there, obviously with a, a big uh, two-leg game, a two-leg trip against the Tigers and the Eels. But Todd Payton takes them back to ground zero, takes them to train at Leichhardt to try and confront their demons from that loss. They come out, they're playing much tougher football. They were good today. Uh, I know the game was scrappy at times in terms of... Uh, the flow and, and the way the official sort of helped influence that factor. But the Cowboys play good, tough football and really ask some questions of the Parramatta Reels for some good offloads. Yeah, and let's face it, we knew that that was exactly how they were going to play after last week. I mean, last week they dished up 55 missed tackles and 20 ineffective tackles. They made 12 errors. It was... It, it was awful stuff from them. You, you just don't, you just don't have two games like that, two weeks in a row in the in the game these days. We know that the the competition's fairly level. Yeah, and what you tend to see from the NRL these days is a bounce back from those big losses. No matter who the team is, they there seems to be that bounce back factor. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win but you see a big lift in performance and they had to lift. This is a team which finished in the top four last year. They're obviously struggling, struggling big time and uh, this season. That bounce back factor for the Cowboys was a real threat because we, we speak about them and their losses. They had a big loss against the Cronulla Sharks in round nine, 44 points to six, if I recall correctly. And then they followed it up with a good win against the Roosters and a big win against the Dragons before the West Tigers uh, demolition job. So the fact that they've had those bad losses and refocused their efforts was a real threat. Like it's literally, you know, in the books this month. Uh, in this case, the Eels got, uh, managed to muscle up and, and stay resolved. And I think the scoreboard doesn't really reflect it, obviously, but I think we did a really good job in that second half controlling the game right up until a couple of, uh, you know, bad luck things happened against us. There was, a, I think, a forward pass let go that let them get out of trouble. Uh, on the last tackle and make a 30, 40-minute gain, which would have been a turnover in their half. There was actually two forward passes in that move. Yeah, there was a big one from dummy half or, or thereabouts and then one from just after that. And then the Kyle Felt kick later on where, you know, the Eels did a good job to pressure and scramble and then it just takes a... It didn't. I saw the replay when I got home and it, I don't even know how the ball managed to bounce the way it did. Uh, it took a wicked bounce at the last. Guffer couldn't get to it. Bally tries to dive on it. They get six again. And it leads to a try. So, uh, you know, that, that took the game out of the Eels' control to some extent. But they managed to, once again, knuckle, on, uh, knuckle down and, and get back into the grind. Uh, some really good discipline uh, following a Jermaine Hopgood uh, pounce on the loose ball. Uh, saw the Eels really pressure that goal line for the Cowboys, which culminated in Mitchell Moses going over to win the game. So, really liked where their heads were at it, they didn't overplay their hand at any point in this game. They, they missed some tries because of we, we spoke about Sean Russell earlier. Uh, you know, there was a forward pass call and he dropped one ball at the line. Uh, but they they played good red zone controlled football. 
They can give away seven tackle sets. They minimise that sort of impact on the game. Uh, they were happy to turn the ball over a metre or two out running the ball and make the Cowboys come off their line. And really, I think both teams were about that tonight because the Cowboys in that first half, as I mentioned before, they completed it around that 95% mark in the first half. Now, that was a team that was obviously going in with the plan to uh, simplify their game. Yeah. If If you're having concern about uh, what might happen in defence, the the best plan against that is to control the possession a lot better. And I think that's basically what they were able to do. Now, the, the payoff for them completing better and making the Eels work a little bit more was that they were up against an Eels pack that had probably spent more time in New South Wales Cup than in NRL during the season. And or, or if they have been playing in NRL, the minutes have been limited because they're um, basically shorter minutes coming off the interchange bench. So we saw tonight there were a number of ca- occasions where the Eels pack looked absolutely spent. And we know that the, the players are fit, but they were just having to do a lot more work because of the fact that the opposition were completing it at such a high, a high click, you're rate. a man down, like all those things add on. You know, we we have players playing well above their what we would say their a lot of minutes would be in a given week, and they're doing a tremendous job. So, you know, Woody went for nearly fifty minutes tonight. Uh, you had Ogden thirty five off the bench. You had Hesse Macatel going fifty five minutes. You know, so. You know, he's not. It wasn't huge impact from the big man. He got through ten runs for eighty meters. And then twenty nine tackles, but he's you know just filling the the gaps, you know being around you know the ball and, and doing all that off the ball work, it's a big ask. So the guys did a fantastic job. Matt Dury played the full complement today. I thought he was very good. Uh, Bryce Cartwright again going the full eighty. Jermaine Hopgood the full eighty, uh, and it was a game where BA trusted the rookie with nearly twenty minutes on debut sixties. And that's not something we're used to seeing. And I thought that Luca Moretti pretty did a pretty good job. You know he uh, yeah. had you know a few runs, four runs, thirty meters. Got through some uh, really nice tackles, actually. There was 13 tackles, zero missing, zero ineffective, and he uh, laid the wood on a few times. Yeah, it was... I guess it was the right sort of minutes in those circumstances because we know the BA likes to limit players on debut to, you know, maybe about that 10-minute mark, maybe a bit, even a bit less. We've seen players on debut get only about three or four minutes. It's... It's all about that introduction of first grade. Now, I, I was um, speaking to uh, someone recently about uh, what would happen in those sorts of uh, debuts, and it was um, – uh, I'm just trying to think who the uh, Eels coach was, whether it was um, Jack Gibson or uh, Terry Fernley. But, but back in the day, it wasn't unusual for a, a player – to be brought up and sat on the bench for extended minutes and not get on at all. Because this was where you'd play maybe half a game in reserve grade before you were uh, brought on. But that act of actually sitting on the bench and getting nervous and uh, one of the one of the ploys of coaches back then was to have a player sit on the bench for a number of weeks and then not use them. You know, they think they might get thrown on at any stage. They're nervous. They haven't played 
first grade before or maybe uh, not very much. So by the time it gets to about the third or fourth week where they're sitting on the bench, they're maybe not expecting or, or not as concerned about whether they're going to get on or not. And then that's the time they put them on. So I think that those times in the past where BA's just brought them on with limited minutes, it's worked. We know when we, we've spoken to uh, Murata uh, back in the, uh, a few years back when he made his debut for the Eels and we'd been calling out for him to be in first grade the year before. And, uh, and then when he, when he got his time in first grade, it was only a few minutes. And he, he said to us, oh, look, I'm glad BA waited and I'm glad it was only a short stint out there because yeah, that jump, I was gassed. That jump was is the biggest gassed. jump you're going to make in your career. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, full marks there to, for Luca Moretti. He got, uh, what was it, about 17 minutes? 17 minutes, like yeah. So a very healthy stint under Brad Arthur, who can be conservative when it comes to getting these guys into these games. Uh, but, yeah, I thought he handled it really nicely. Got thrown into an important part of the game too and did his job. 13 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective, including a couple of really, really strong hits. So, well done, Luca. Uh, a little cup yeah, of coffee and, uh, in first it was grade. also good, those, those scenes after the game with him and his mates yeah. uh, celebrating. Yes. There was a very vocal uh, Moretti contingent on hand at Bankwest or Combank, sorry, uh, tonight, yeah. which is always good to see for the rookies. Uh, another player I thought that did a very good job, Brendan Hand, 60s. Came on, went up tempo. Hodgson did a great job absorbing the early pressure before he got uh, dusted up a bit. With I think hard to tell, but it might have been a hip pointer injury. It, yeah, it looked like that. That that was he he copped a knock. It was it was an innocuous looking tackle. Yeah. It just it just landed awkwardly and, and he battled through uh, it. Uh, yeah, he he was very slow getting up from the tackle where it looked like the injury happened, and uh, he was rubbing at his hip. And I thought, oh, you know. The way our injuries have been going with the forwards, I thought, well, here comes another starting forward that's about to go missing. But, uh, yeah, as you said, he battled through it. And, uh, which is, a, look, it's a shame that he copped a bit of an injury in what was his 150th first grade game. Still played a good 30 minutes, though. It was a solid yeah, stint there and paid the way for Brennan Hands to come in and do a really good job going up tempo through the middle. He had some really nice runs. He went four carries for nearly 50 metres. Uh, mind you, Hodgson had two runs for 20. He had a couple of really nice scoots at a dummy half, picking off uh, poor marker work. So both did dummy halves there having good games. And yeah, hands. And uh, I mean, talking about it in the Fox post game, I got home and uh, in time for them to, you know, sort of discuss uh, the pros and cons of Hodgson's form and hands form and whatnot. And I'm like, why we, I know the panel's got to talk about something, but I'm not, I wouldn't be overthinking this. They're both playing good, both playing, both playing good football now. Hodgson's had a real good month of football now. Hands is growing game after game as he sort of makes that dummy half roll his own after being a utility for the last couple of years. So both are doing a really good job. And, yeah, don't overthink it. If Hodgson's playing a good game, you can work him for 50 minutes. If, uh, you know, you need to get a guy in there to go up tempo, Hands will come in and do the job. So Eels are starting to see some nice work at a dummy half from both their rakes. Yeah, so I think we've summed it up pretty well in terms of the, the, the Eels were looking to be as composed as possible. They probably didn't ice every minute that they needed to. A few more errors than they would have liked. Um, a few tricky bounces of the ball. Some good play from the Cowboys. Uh, good com- uh, And when they chanced their hand, the Cowboys, there were some amazing passes that they got away. Um, good support play. Uh, bounce of the ball with a couple of kicks. It was a bit tricky for the Eels there. And 
you know, it was, I wasn't, to be honest, it was the sort of game that I was expecting, but I wasn't. That's going to sound like a strange thing. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting some of the, um, the, just the solid play from the Cowboys tonight. I thought that they, I, I expected they might have been a bit more up tempo. Yeah, they, but they just went really back the fundamentals, playing good football, yes. uh, taking their offloads when they were presented. That's how they scored that first try. Heel and Lukey having a really nice overs line into an offload back to drink water. Uh, and I think Bailey might have made the incorrect read on that tackle uh, or play as well. But yeah, really good second phase play there. But for the most part, they, they kept it simple. They played good football getting through their sets. And I think against a lesser team, they maybe would have gotten the results because the amount of pressure that they applied territorially and, and through the flow of the game would have uh, caused another team to buckle. Yeah, so if we if we look at a bigger picture right now, where do you think that leaves both teams? And, and I'm not talking about, like, um, you know, just straight out on the table, but I'm talking about in terms of their aspirations for the season. Yeah, it was a funny one, wasn't it? Because... You're both coming into the round, five wins, seven losses. You're not that far outside the top eight, let alone the top four, the way the season's played out. It's so congested, but a loss tonight. Not just the result in terms of the absolute wins and losses columns, but the flow of your season, I think it's a big one. I think this is a an important juncture game for both teams, and the Eels were the ones that got the big win. And you go into the bye, you get a chance to get healthy. BA, I think, said in his presser that there's a good shot that Reg will be back post-bye. So you're getting Reg back, maybe getting Joe off and Gary back, uh, Junior's back from Origin, and then you got the likes of oh, Andrew Davies back too because that was just a mandatory uh, Cat 1 concussion stand down. So you're getting a whole ton of forwards back. Obviously, not getting Sean Lane back, and I think Matto would be probably too early for him to come back too. I think he's probably another game or so out from there. But you're getting a whole ton of forward reinforcements back. The back line's starting to hum. For the Eels, that is a big win. For the, for the Cowboys... Well, it's been a horrid stretch in Sydney for them, hasn't it? They get belted by the West Tigers. They play a good game against Parramatta, but they come up short because the Eels met them with the same sort of consistency and physicality uh, that they were trying to out-execute on, and the Eels did a better job of it. And so you go back up to Queensland now for the Cowboys, and yeah, you, I know they get Tamalolo back next week, which would be really nice for them, but geez, you're looking for a lot of answers to a lot of questions, aren't you, if you're Todd Payton? Well... They were sitting on equal points with the Eels. And like the Eels, that was based on uh, five wins, no buys at that stage. Mm -hmm. But next week, the Cowboys go into a match against the Storm, I think it is. Yes, I believe it is the Melbourne Storm. You're right. The the Eels get a much-needed buy. I think in the last few years, I can't recall a buy that I've been hanging out for the team to get as much. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big one. And I know that we've we've had our concerns in the past about how Paramount come out of the bye. Uh, sometimes we can be a little bit sluggish getting back to our best football. But, geez, this is one the team needs. They, they've they battled their backsides off the last month of football, had a couple of you know tight losses, a couple of really important wins, that Rabbitohs win being the you know head, head and uh, centre of it all. But, yeah, this bye is big. This gets them back on track, gets them healthy, um, I, I know that Mitch Moses joked about in the post-match presser uh, or post-match Fox interview, I think, uh, that he uh, won't be going to Bali. So obviously a cheeky little dig there at uh, to Nova Castrians. Uh, but yes, this is a very, very timely buy 60s, no doubt about it. 
Yeah, and uh, the the cowboy, oh, mate. Th- this table, it's so congested. It's crazy. On- yeah, it's. I think in 2018 we ended up with uh, the top four, bottom four. Sorry, in the top eight, the top and bottom four part of the eight being separated by two points, uh, and that was impressive. But there was a big drop off to the teams chasing. Uh, whereas in this year we've got a just far out from one v one down to 15. I would say. Everyone's still very much in the hunt. Uh, West Tigers and Dragons are down at three wins below that. But Canterbury, Cowboys, uh, they've still got five wins. They're not that far out of the chase. Eels elevate themselves into 10th place provisionally 60s. Uh, but they're just uh, one or two wins behind the front runners now. Yeah, yeah. And as we said, that bye comes at a, at a great time. But it's a run of matches which... You don't want the like the eels might look at it and and supporters might look at it and go, you know what we got a good chance to go on a run here. But I don't want them to be looking ahead. I want them just to be looking at the next game. Now I know again that's a cliche about you only looking one week at a time, but in this competition, I think more than a lot of previous years, you absolutely have to. Yeah, the moment take you start like that. start staring at the horizon, you get tripped up. You got to be yeah, looking. And- and the thing is, the form lines only last a week at yeah. the moment. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm looking at the form here on NRL.com and I think the Rabbitohs, yeah, no, no one's on a streak, like a, a clean, clean five-game streak. The best we have is 4-1, and 4-1, one, and one, Rabbitohs and Sharks. Obviously, the Rabbitohs' last start was a loss against us. Uh, then you got uh, Sharks 4-1, and one, um, and then from there, yeah, no, everyone else is three and two, two and three, three and one off a bye. So yeah, the, like you said, you're really only been as good as the last game you played at the at the absolute most because no one is going on big runs anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, just looking at this match as a whole, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to preempt my thoughts <laughs> on some uh, on you know best on field here, but for me, a key moment was Dylan Brown somehow shutting down what looked like oh, was going to be a certain Cowboys try. One of the tackles of the year. Townsend. One of it. I mean, the the closing speed to go from being the sort of check release guy on that slide to turning around, flipping his hips and getting back in to make that tackle as the guy steps back across him, that was a 10 out of 10 difficulty tackle right there. Like that, that It doesn't get any harder than that when you're making the cover tackle. He cuts him down. What a tackle. I mean, Dillbags is... I think he made 20-plus tackles at the half. He finishes the game with, if I just pull over the stats here... 37 tackles. 37 tackles. He missed a couple tonight. We're going to forgive him for that uh, because of the the efforts that he made. I mean, one of the misses I recall, he actually cut the guy down, but he fell past him, so it gets counted as a missed tackle. Uh, he, he was, And it was one of the big boys too. Uh, he is just... When he when he gets it all together, and he, he's been building towards it, obviously, for the last few weeks, and he's been realising it now in the last few games... But when he puts it all together, there normally it's very hard to make a comp for him because he runs the ball very similar to Cameron Munster. Like they're so difficult to tackle, uh, but he, he's got maybe a better left foot step than Cam Munster. But and defensively, there's no half like him. Like obviously, Munster has a huge impact defensively because of his ability to take the ball one on one. That is just ridiculous. But in terms of his ability to bring down the big boys, uh, I I don't know why teams game plan to run it. Dylan Brown, because it just doesn't phase him. 
he is one of one when it comes to his defense and in attack. We're starting to really see everything come, come together for him. He's run the ball strongly, even with a left edge, where Matt Dury wasn't quite in sync with uh, Dylan at times tonight. I thought Dury did a great job in general, but there were a couple of runs where he wasn't quite in sync. Uh, Dylan just drags defenders. He is such a nightmare matchup. Yeah. So, okay, I think we now get to our three-two-one because we're probably going to be referencing some individual player performances here, which is the point that I wanted to get to next, because I think we've we've got some sort of consensus that this was a good controlled victory, mm-hmm. uh, a massive two premiership points, but a good controlled victory from the Parramatta Eels, did what they needed to do, didn't overplay their hand, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of players having to step up into uh, that role in the pack. So, mate, you, I'm, oh, I have to go straight off now because I've given so many hints that my three is going to go to Dylan Brown. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just thought it was an enormous game from him tonight. That, I mean, we talk about, I like to award the three points to players where if they weren't in the team, that the team maybe would yeah. not have won. Game-changing game efforts. Stuff that, yeah. like you said, if you had a, a backup playing, it is true. You feel truly feeling the difference of a replacement level player when that person is out. And that's what we saw with Dylan Brown tonight. He was just tremendous. Yeah. So uh, the number of times when, and I mean, we pinpointed that particular one with the, uh, as a try saver, but just the cleanup work that he does. And, and one thing not to be slept on, and it's something that you probably won't talk about in the glamorous stakes, but he is taking a bigger portion of the kick share duties now and doing a good job with those uh, offensive fielded uh, when you get into their half, opposition half, uh, doing a really good job with those bombs. So he's doing a nice job taking some pressure off Mitchell Moses, meaning that teams can't cheat as aggressively on Mitch when it comes to kick pressure. So that's a really nice uh, add, uh, sort of string of being added to his bow as well this year. Well, he hasn't got the long-distance kick of Mitch. There's very few kickers that do... No possess his long-range kicking game. But as you said, when the plays, when it's either an attacking kick or at least a kick from around that halfway mark where you're looking to share the kicking duties around so it's not all Moses and nobody else, then, yeah, he's getting that job done. And you're right, it does. It it doesn't just take the pressure it just, off. It changes Moses. the equation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he gets my three points there, mate. What about your three? Yeah, I'll, I'll go deal. Just the, the complete package tonight. Uh, defensively, putting on a clinic. Uh, Cowboys ran so much traffic at him and he had no issues. I know he was put down for three missed tackles, but like I said, a couple of them were actually cutting down the big guy, but just falling over him. So someone yeah. else would jump on and claim the tackle. Uh, defensively, that was such a critical tackle to make too. Cowboys had a, a cheeky little game plan. We've seen a few teams do this against Parramatta to run the ball in the last, uh, trying to pick out a gap there. And, yeah, it felt like all money they were going to score there, and he just came out of nowhere. So what a what an effort, what a player. Yeah. Um, my two points, Jermaine Hopgood. Hoppy. 100, 137 run metres, just so busy in the game. Um, and then 45 tackles on top of that. Now, I know he's credited for five misses tonight, but there were some tackles that he made where he really leveled. Yeah, there were some, some big opponent. hits. 
and then the hustle at the end to dive on that loose ball. I don't know if he got a hand to it and it was a missed knock on or if he hit the arm of the ball carrier who I think was Cohen Hess. Uh, but whichever way that went, if the Eels did get a bit of slice luck their way, you know, good good look on them because they didn't get much that game. Uh, but yeah, the hustle at the end of the game there to get on that loose ball and, and get that turnover just as the Cowboys look like they could have had something cooking. Yeah, huge. Uh, I'm actually going to go for a different player though. That's no slight on uh, Jermaine. I'm going for the try scorer. The big man who just... It's crazy to think that on paper, this man is technically our number four prop right now. Number four. We've got yep. Junior, Reg, and now Joe Opengari ahead of him in terms of seniority and, and obviously uh, you know cap space and whatnot. Uh, but Weary McGreg, I mean, take a bow, big fella. You've just been tremendous. And I know he's uh, starting to get his plaudits from the commentary and, and from the media now. Uh, you know, people really take notice of the job he's doing without Reg being available. But the big fella goes over for a try off a great Dylan Brown uh, short pass, it must be said. That was a really well-disguised short option there from Dillbags. Uh, but the big fella nearly had a double too. He was so close. And I know he came up with the error from the play the ball from that, but uh, I thought he was tremendous and really led the way in a game where we went down another player. Like Joe Ofengahi, the guy you bring in, 160 NRL first-grade games, state of origin representative the guy who's going to be your leader for this game, the one that was going to play 50-plus minutes, goes down. And you just turn the wood and say, okay, big fella, we need you to go 30 minutes in the in the first half. And he does it. So, it sounds to me, mate, like you've got your passbook stamped to Wiramu Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm first class, 100%. I'm, I'm there. I'm showing out for the, the good tickets for the, the Wiramu Island. He has been his, – his rise and rise this year has been so tremendous. And I know that the, the moles – talked about the Eels being close to linking a long-term extension for him. I hope it gets done soon. Uh, he is really starting to realise... He, he's such a throwback prop too. In an, in an era where, you know, you need the ball play and uh, you need to be a little bit more agile defensively, Woody is a north-south guy, just pumps the legs. All, and no matter how tight he is, he's always up for next carry and he's just gone from strength to strength this season. So two points for the big fella for me. Yeah, now he's in contention for the one point from me, it's it's a bit hard to separate a few players here. It, get, it gets congested. Uh, it was a good, solid team performance. There's a few backs you could shout out. Um, there's a, obviously some more forwards. Mitchell Moses played a pretty decent game. Brendan Hands was pretty good. So, yeah, I'm interested to see who gets the one point from you because it is a crowded field tonight. Well, I mean, look at the tackle breaks between Will Penasini and Bailey Simonson, eight and seven, and seven yeah. respectively. You know, and um, I thought Sean Russell's carries from uh, our own red zone were huge. I thought they, I thought they were outstanding. Yeah, he, his he, carries tonight. He did a lot of the uh, shoveling the shit sort of work and did a very good job getting over the advantage line more often than not. Cowboys yeah. really muscled up at times too, and he did a good job. But something that the Penrith backs do so well, uh, he wasn't going directly into the tackle, and that sounds really simple, but. You watch someone like Micah, who actually had a big game in terms of meterage, but he, he almost to a fault picks out the shoulders of the defenders. And at sometimes he's trying to find a halfback and make him do the extra tackle, and I understand that. But uh, Sean does a good job using footwork just before the line to get into the arm area of a tackle where it's weak as you can fall forwards. And that's something that the Penrith wingers are so good at doing. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what's changed for Sean, wherever the coach has pulled him aside and had to sit down and got him to work on a few aspects of his game. But since getting dropped for Hayes Dunster a few weeks ago, he's now come back, clear head, taking high balls really well, running really well. And, in, I mean, I know he had a few tries left out there, but in general, finishing really nicely down that right edge. Yeah, I think 
it's basically the energy that he carries the ball. It, we're seeing the same with Bailey Simonson and Will Penasini. They'd been really the two that had led our run meters from our kick returns. Just, you know, those those dirty yards that we talk about. They, they'd they probably been the best two. Now, you mentioned that Mike is up high for run meters tonight, and he is. He's over 200 run meters, 215 run meters. But there were many times it just felt like there wasn't anything... Uh, he wasn't getting anywhere with those carries. It's He's not one for, I, I think, hitting a hole. He's not one for for pumping the legs as he gets into the tackle. It tends to be that it's a, a throw of his body weight into the tackle. Yeah, he's work, it's one of those things where he needs to be taught to work smarter, not harder. And Yeah. He, he, he puts a lot of effort into these runs sometimes. And sometimes there's games where he doesn't. He doesn't run hard. Tonight was a case where yeah, he made some mistakes on the other side of the ball, but he ran hard. But he didn't run smart. So he ran for 215 metres from his 22 carries. So decent efficiency. Just a tick under that 10 metres per run metric that you love to see. But yeah, he could have gone for 250, 260 with a couple more tackle breaks if he's just running smarter. Yeah. So, um, look, Will and Bailey, they're definitely in the in the mix for the one point. Sean Russell's in there. Mitch Moses. Now I'm starting to make it, it. I'm starting to find it tough with who gets the who gets the point because Mitch Moses is right up there. Um, look, um, and I like some things that Matt Dury was doing. Cardi is just so consistent this year. Big try saver in this game too. Uh, he had yeah. a really nice tackle late in that second half, coming from the inside to kill a second phase play. So, yeah, just another really good game from Cardi. I think the only real knock on his game was the advantage play that we had where he was trying to find Brendan Hands on the overs line and Hands pulled out of it. So the uh, the ball ended up on the ground and coming back to the eels. Yeah, I, look, I think when all's said and done, I probably have to go a point to Mitch Moses there because, again, if I use that metric of could the eels have won the game without him and I... I just don't think we we would have. I think he did enough. He created enough opportunities and attack. His his kicking was faultless. It's hard to go past giving him one point. It's a benefit of playing in the halves, isn't it? Especially when you're the guy in terms of goal kicking and general play kicking. You have such an influence on the game, no matter what the sort of general state of play is. And Moses is so good at exerting his force on the game via long kicking. So, yeah, and can I just say as well that as a big bloke, it hurts me that I didn't give a point to Woody in this That's instance. all right. I, I'm repping the big fellas. I gave him the two. Um, another big fellow that probably deserves a shout-out, he's not going to get points today because I'm not giving him the one point, but I think that outside of a play-the-ball error where it could have easily been a penalty because the the player was uh, the defender was still pulling him down, but off a Hickey Ogden again, 11 carries, 122 metres, uh, Really strong, some really nice footwork there. 17 tackles, couple miss. So doing a decent job on both sides of the ball. But as the go-forward guy, really, you know, this is another strong game for him. So BA's got some good headaches when it comes to having a fully fit forward pack. Um, my one point, though, I'll probably stick it into the middle and, and go to where you went for two. Um, another 80-minute performance from Jermaine Hopgood, uh, the big fella, changing his game today. No second-phase play. 
Uh, worked really hard on both sides of the ball, though. Brought the energy. Yes, he had some missed tackles, but there was some real intent in his defense. Going up near 50 tackles is always a good effort. Um, yeah, just a, a guy who could easily have been in origin camp this week, and I don't think anyone would have batted in the 960s. He's been so good for the Eels. Um, he's going to be so good for the Eels for years to come, hopefully. Uh, obviously locked up for another year earlier this season. But, yeah, just a, a really good player and obviously a very versatile player that can change his uh, stripes and spots depending on what his coach needs in a given game. Now, mate, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you're just in a, a, a pretty good mood tonight. But any, have you got a gripe at all? Let's, uh, let's see what old mate Johnny McEnroe has to say. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! Yeah, it's funny to complain from a game like this. And I'm sure the Cowboys have some complaints too because it was that sort of game where the main official, Liam Kenny, didn't want to blow a whistle and Ashley Klein wanted to overanalyze stuff in the box. Um, yeah, the Eels, my big one, I suppose, and I'm probably forgetting some here, but I think it was Ogden, I think it was Ogden or Makatoa uh, on the crossfield kick that Sean Russell defu- diffused where they were ruled to have taken uh, Drinkwater or Townsend, I can't remember which one it was, uh, late, and the Eels challenged. Because I thought it was a penalty on Will Penasini for an escort initially. Um, but no, it was for the, the late challenge on the half. And it comes down, the Eels get to keep their challenge but they, they still get penalised. That is a black and white situation. Either the Eels have been guilty of taking the kicker late, which there was absolutely nothing in it. It might have been Moretti, no, I think about it. I can't remember. Uh, but there was nothing in it. But either it's that or it's challenge successful, overturned, Eels get the ball, keep their challenge. But we've got the worst of both worlds. Cowboys get the penalty, Eels keep their challenge. It's just a bizarre call. Bizarre call. Yeah, it was... Look, I think you were right about the match official putting the whistle away because uh, look, the Eels had a couple of penalties against them, but they were, they came about as a, as a result of challenges. I think that uh, the Cowboys were successful uh, with, and apart from that, there just wasn't too much that was called during the game. Now there are play, there are people's um, supporters that enjoy that. They say, look, if the ref can put his whistle away and the players decide the outcome, fantastic. Unfortunately, what we saw tonight was there was evidence as to why the Eels play the ball was uh, so much slower than the Cowboys, which is basically they were being held down. Yeah, they got mugged. They got mugged. There was a couple of times where I'm I'm pretty certain the referees on their tip sheet have it down that Mike Acevedo should never get a penalty for play the ball infringements because he got mugged a couple of times this game. There was one where he was actually pushed as he was trying to play the ball and he ended up behind the ball and having to step back over at the plate and no call came. That was that was an absurdity. I mean, if people didn't notice that, so he's he's pushed off the ball. The ball's on the ground. He's pushed off the ball, and then he has to go step over and ruck the ball back. Now, this that's the most ridiculous outcome because he's either played the ball incorrectly, like lost it, or the Cowboys have committed an infringement. Yep. Agreed. It's, it, it's it's almost like another example of what you were speaking about before with the challenge on the kicker where the penalty stood, but we got to keep our challenge. And you go, how? That, how does, how, like, how does you, that work? You'd cop losing your challenge and, and whatnot and say, yeah, they got it wrong, but that's the right process in terms of following up from that logic sequence. But we got the eels didn't do wrong, but 
didn't do right, so keep the challenge but lose the penalty. Like um, I don't know. And yeah, then, I mean, and then then of course you had the um, the and this wasn't the uh, the referee. This would have come from the sideline official, but the denied try to Sean Russell, where Will Penasini has thrown it either on, right on the, on line, the line or it's just, caught. Or it's just caught. before it. It's caught and 20 it's or 30 centimetres over the line. Which yes, is, I was going to say not even half a metre like, past the line. It, it's a classic show, a case of momentum from the pass, carrying the ball yeah, forwards. I was going to say, you know, like the ball has travelled something like about 20 metres sideways and there was no allowance for the fact that it's gone maybe 30 centimetres forward. And you... Look, the line is very clear there. You can see this is, you know, it. we're not talking about something where it's travelled a long distance forward. For the touch judge to pick that up, they're obviously using that line there. And, okay, that's fair enough. But in one of the Cowboys' big movements that led to a try, we saw two whopping big forward passes that everyone in the crowd saw and everyone Bain in the crowd for, called yeah. out like bade for the forward pass it was so blatant but look i mean those things those things can happen it's it just felt like it was one of those games where if things weren't gonna go quite right and you know oh, what again me, the bounce of the me, ball almost but, haunted but, the eels but they managed to yeah that's what i wanted to say is that tonight things just didn't quite go okay. And that, to me, adds to the composure that, that Parramatta had and, to show. To and an important part of that on. is making your own luck. And one player I want to shout out in that regard is Brendan Hands, who showed some fantastic wherefore and heads-up football off that short dropout at the end to wait for the tip uh, tip back from the Cowboys and dive on that ball to intercept it, essentially. Uh, on the- well noted, mate. Well noted. I want to, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because we were talking about that as it happened live, that that positioning that he made so that as as the kick was going up, he folded back to be in amongst the Cowboys players, as you said, looking for the tap back from them so that, that he was in position for that. And and you know what? It's it might sound like that's a a straightforward thing. And you'd like to think that coaches are are well on top of that now and they're instructing players in the team that okay then someone needs to make sure that they're getting behind the line of the of the team uh, that's kicking the ball because they're going to go the tap back they're very rarely going for the catch they're mostly going for the tap back so if they've got if they've had great success with that yeah get yourselves around the ball make it harder for them to catch it so now um, yeah if the Eels were the, I mean, I remember the line for this one. I think the Eels were a dollar eighteen favourites in this game, which I thought was outrageous, given that both teams had serious outs. They were the unbackable favourites in this game. The big upset in the day, though, sixties happened before while we were doing our pre-game show, and I actually didn't get out across and bank Combank. I keep getting that one wrong. Combank in time uh, to catch the second half because I had to take a phone call once I got back to my car to drop off the audio equipment. Uh, so I don't know what you caught of the second half, but Eels twenty six defeating the North Sydney Bears 8 in the New South Wales Cup. This is not one that we had uh, coming. When we did the preview podcast, we thought the Eels were going to get absolutely hammered in this game, taking on the tabletopping Bears that had only dropped two games from, I think, 11 or 12 outings, form team in the competition. Eels vastly down on troops. Jake Arthur's gone to Manly. A whole ton of forwards playing in the NRL to, uh, tonight. 
they had no rights to win this game. And not only did they win the game, that 26 to 8 score inflated the Bears because they scored a couple of late tries to peg back those eight points. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was 26 nil. Yes, um, 20, 26 was, nil heading into the 70, uh, 70 minute fracture, uh, portion. Of the yeah, game. yeah. I, mate, I didn't see too much either because uh, by the time I got over to the ground as well, it was. Uh, I think it was just before we scored the try to take us up to uh, 26 nil. So I'm going to have to look at the video tomorrow uh, or at some stage over the weekend to uh, see what I can. So we'll get expanded feedback on the uh, NRL News and Review podcast there. But to give people context, the Eels were so down on trips in this game. Hayes Dunster was a pullout just before kickoff. Jerome Momosia was playing in the centres. Their back line was Sini, Tupo, Lumi Lumi, Momosia, Minhinik. And they managed to absolutely spank the competition leaders. So well done to all the troops there. Well done to Coach Kalis. Uh They started uh, the young uh, hyphen, Jonte Jr. Baffin-Mesa. He started in the front row of this game, 60s. Uh, so always good to see. Uh, Tony Matelli and Jock Brazel, a couple other youngsters on the interchange. I think they had decent games based on what I heard from feedback. So, yeah, really, really good result there. A really nice way for both teams to get the Ws. And now the pressure's on the jersey flag tomorrow. Uh, last week, they were the lone uh, losers after having a string of injuries in the game, causing them to get run down by Souths when uh, both Cup and NRL won. So, want that sweep this week. They need to get the win against the Melbourne Storm. Well, I'll be heading out there to Kellyville to provide a live blog on that. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking to find out what's happening with the Jersey flag, either follow if you can't get out there yourself, you can follow the updates that I'll, I'm, I am no 4020. People know that. They do some good honest work. So I'll I'll do as best I can to keep the uh, descriptions and score updates coming through from Kellyville Park. You can catch them from two forty five PM tomorrow. From two forty five. But if you if you don't get a chance to read the blog live as it's happening, of course, it's there as a recap. If you want to get on and find out what happened in the match, then you can you can check out the live blog and uh, yeah. Get your details on the match in in uh, as close as I can possibly do to forty, but in reality, nowhere near it. So right, let's uh, uh, start one more. Wrapping. So just one, just one more win to get the clean sweep this weekend. As we said, we're heading into the NRL bye next week. Um, beautifully timed, as far as I'm concerned. I think everyone needs a rest. You, the players that are carrying niggling injuries or those that have been out with a significant injury, they're either coming back or they're one week closer to coming back. Anything that we picked up tonight might hopefully be um, fixed up and the players ready to go. And uh, apart from that, again, our thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Mm -hmm. And of course, thank you to Parramatta Leagues Club who are great supporters of what we do on the Cumberland Throw. And uh, we had our earlier guest tonight, John Muggelin, for the preview, which you listened to at the start of this podcast. So thanks again to John Muggelin, to Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Eels. And I guess all I can say at this moment, mate, is go, you mighty Eels. Yes, sir. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. We'll catch you guys in the next episode.